Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Over the past few Sundays, as I have worked with the lessons for the day and have listened to the readings of the scriptures, I have been missing something. It struck me I have missed something so easy to overlook. For example, last Sunday reading from James, my first reaction to the discussion about favoritism was to focus on the rich guy and think about how his robes were and how, how obviously rich he was and arrogant he was. And it was easy for me to focus on the rich guy and feel a bit guilty because I would think that maybe James is talking about me. Yet, if I was honest, James speaks more about the poor. And I, and I realize that I've missed something. I have stumbled over this whole focus of Scripture on the poor. Those people who I might write off as unimportant, who are different, who are not, well, well off like me. Perhaps because sometimes when I step into that mess, I think God loves me more, which is an easy trap for us to fall into. Blessed are the poor. This is a hard concept for me. I have never been poor, so I don't know what it means to be poor and blessed at the same time. How could that be? How could I be thankful and feel blessed when I have nothing? I've always had enough to eat, more than enough. If I didn't have anything to eat at all, would I still feel blessed by God? I've always had shelter, better than most people will ever enjoy on this planet. I have known only good medical care for myself and my family. If I didn't have these things, would I feel blessed? Would I consider myself blessed? Only once in my life was I penniless, and that was my own choice. I took all the money I had at that time as a seminarian and went with my buddy and made a single purchase that left me penniless. But then it was for a ring. And uh, I felt very blessed to be that poor at that occasion. Have I ever been poor? No, but I've known a lot of poor people, and that has challenged me as I thought about my experiences with the poor this week. I've known poor in my own town. I've walked up streets and seen people living in cardboard boxes on the streets of Toronto. I've seen people living in lean-tos in Asia. And in Burundi, we saw lots of poor people who had nothing but God. In downtown Edmonton, we can always walk and find somebody who's poor at the Rock or any many places in town. We know people who have nothing, and it's hard for us to understand what it's like to have nothing. Because if you have nothing, what do you have? The, fa uh, the Father in our Gospel today reminds me of so many I've seen over the years, especially those mothers at the hospital in Burundi, who would take all their food and their meager financial resources and walk for days to bring a sick child to the hospital. Such love, such compassion, such poverty. 
I can learn from that. I've sat in a rickety church building and watched mothers and fathers lovingly hold their children, all of them clearly suffering from malnutrition, the whole family. And yet I am humbled by the quality of their praise and their joy in the Lord. I have learned a lot from poor people. Joy when you have nothing. Appreciation and gratitude for things we don't even think about having here in the first world. Some of the greatest charity I've witnessed was by a poor, was by poor helping each other. And suddenly I'm beginning to understand what Jesus was getting at in the story of the widow's might. Or the story of the widow of Zarephath who gave her all. And I begin to see that what Jesus was trying to get through to me, who considers himself not very poor. It seems too often our affluence is a bit like a coat of armor that we have around us that makes it hard for us to fear and hear and to feel the love of God and the deep power and meaning of the cross. Sometimes it takes having nothing to help us understand what Jesus is truly about. Now the references to the poor in the scripture are many. Warnings about mistreating the poor abound as are those verses that talk about making sure that those who are poor are provided for with dignity and not abused by those in political power or spiritual authority. But it is the faith of the poor that Scripture points out so often. The woman who comes to Jesus and whose faith he applauds when she asks only for the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And I wonder who is really poor and who really is rich. Two terms that seem to be turned upside down when they are brought into the world of Jesus, the cross, faith, and salvation. As we remember the life of Jesus while he was among us, it is easy to look at the scenes such as in our gospel today and see the rich folks because they are the most obvious to see. They're the ones wearing the fancy clothes. They're the ones standing up. They're the ones who are talking and speaking and making loud noises, the Herods, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, who Jesus himself takes issue with so many times. People, well, more like us, dressed more like us. But one of my professors back at seminary once pointed out the importance of one little word in so many of these stories that are so easy to bypass. And it was very much part of our story this morning. The Greek word is ochloi, which means the crowds. The crowds of people that gathered around Jesus, those crowds of people, the poor, the lowly, the people suffering under the burden of this world and waiting with hope for God's deliverance, waiting with hope and patience for God to send a Savior to deliver them, to redeem them out of a poverty that was more than just not having enough to eat, but a poverty that was political and social and material and above all spiritual. Those nameless people that gathered around Jesus who came to him because they saw him as the only great wealth that they could claim in this world. I have to ask myself, am I poor? Are you poor? If what we are... If we are then, what is the nature of our poverty? If the poor are going to be with us always. Are there people who have big houses and fancy cars and more than enough to eat 
that are poor in spirit, in joy, in finding meaning in their lives. When I start asking those questions of myself, I feel my life being colored in a different way by the love of Christ. Have I been poor in my life, I have to ask. Well, maybe not in the usual sense of the term, but yes, I've had times of sorrow, of despair, of wondering what is the value of life and what is life for and what is life about. I've known times of loneliness, as you all have, of betrayal, of being abandoned by those you trusted in to be your leaders, times when I wondered about my vocation, and times long ago when I wondered, would anyone ever love me? We are poor in some ways, but not in the usual sense. But now a picture forms. It is one of the many times as our gospel, as in our gospel today, when Jesus stands among the crowds with his disciples who themselves were feeling powerless because these people kept coming to them and they couldn't seem to have the power to help them. And they tried to push the people away because they couldn't help them. And what does Jesus do? He turns to the poor whose eyes are on him. And he hears their stories of poverty, giving them dignity by taking the time to listen to them and treat them as human beings, as worthy of his time and his compassion and his love and his power. And he also hears them speak of him as their only hope, as he as they tell him how he is the only one who can deliver them from their sins. And then what does Jesus do when he hears all these stories of the poor? He understands what it's like to be poor. He gives up everything, everything, even the cloak on his back, and he goes to the cross. And there he sheds his blood. He dies for our sins. He is raised for our salvation. And we rejoice in the outflowing of riches that come from that great proclamation of Easter. Come to me all who are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest, we hear. This is Jesus' invitation to us all and it only makes sense when we understand our poverty as sinners. No matter how many things I have in this world, no matter how much food or shelter, I will never have enough to pay the price of my salvation, to break the power of death over me. I will never have enough to open the gates of heaven, and it is there that I find myself in the same predicament as every other human being that has ever lived, on the very bottom step. And I turn and I see on that bottom step, is our Savior, who came to kneel with us in poverty and then rise on the cross so that he could come back and take us by the hand and take us to heaven for the banquet he has prepared for us in eternity and to also invite us to the banquet he brings before us today. Now I find great comfort in that old confession of the church. I, a poor, miserable sinner, Confess all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your just and eternal punishment. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, what binds us together in the church, what makes the joy of our salvation so real, is that today 
in this place, we come not as the rich, the pampered, but as Luther says, we come as beggars. The church only makes sense, the communion of saints only makes sense when we see ourselves as sinners, poor, miserable sinners, impoverished humanity, without the resources to undo what is broken with humanity, standing together as the poor we hold tightly to the hand of our Savior, who takes us all from our poverty, takes us as orphans and makes us his children in baptism, makes us heirs of the riches of the kingdom of God. Riches because of his love, mercy, and grace, blood and sacrifice. Now when I began, I said it was easy for me not to see the poor and Christ's attitude towards them in scripture. You know, sin is like that. It does not let us see the truth about ourselves. It doesn't like us to look at the mirror and see that we are in poverty, that we are broken and that we cannot do it ourselves. The great blessing, the great victory is summed up in the words of that hymn. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to your cross I cling. Now, maybe you wonder why we have Christians give up so much to help the poor in the world, to give up what we have to make sure those who haven't anything know that they are not forgotten and are of value as human beings. I believe it's because it's the most natural thing to do when we realize our poverty and the blessing of Christ. We want to share our riches, spiritual and material, with those around us in every part of the world. Now, Jesus said the poor will always be with you. Now, that's beginning to make a little more sense to me. It does not mean we give up helping the poor in ways of this world, but it calls us to remember that as sinners, we are all poor. We have a common bond of humanity, and above all, we have a common Savior who would like to restore us all and heal us all and take us home to be with him in heaven. And so today, as we come to worship, we come as the poor, celebrating that we have someone who has made us rich beyond belief and who today offers us the poor and the hungry, his holy table and his word that brings us life and value and meaning. We are loved as the poor of the world by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.